to Content That Grows podcast. Uh, today, I'm excited. I'm sitting down with Derek, joining again from last week, and Kevin's back with us as well. So welcome, guys. Excited to, to jump in today. Same here. Yeah, cool. as always. Yeah, so today's cool. You know, Derek and I started last week chatting a little bit about um, topic clusters when we were overall discussing how to identify topics and in the priority and you know a number of, of aspects around that so um definitely check out the last episode episode two uh in season two if you're wanting a little bit more context there on on that starting process but today kind of building on that we're thinking about um if you're you know, setting out to build a content program or uh, inheriting a you know larger library of content and, and wanting to continue to grow um, thinking through specifically uh, the importance of topic clusters, how to build topic clusters, and a little bit about the role that internal linking plays in those. So uh, get a little bit more tactical today and uh, getting into all the reasons that matter. So uh, let's jump in. And you know, I think you know from a, a starting point, uh, what's really interesting is uh, this is actually, you know, it's not like topic clusters have existed forever. Uh, that's not a, you know, day one SEO thing. It's sort of an evolution of how um, uh, indexation, natural language processing, a lot of the different aspects in how Google uh, indexes and um, understands the content and knows what is uh, related to the search intent that we talked about last week. But, you know, to get started, uh, I think it'd be helpful just to kind of define the topic cluster and then we can kind of jump off from there. So, uh, Derek, I'm going to just go ahead and jump in on you know, how we would define that for anyone who's not necessarily working in that currently. Yeah, so topic clusters, I think at, at their like most basic or simplest are uh, connections of thematically related content topics um that are all you know technically connected as well so whether you're talking about internal links but then the thematic topic itself is all relevant um and that's building the signals you're sending to a search engine and to your audience around your knowledge about a topic so you've got a lot you're kind of displaying breadth and depth of one I'm going to use theme because otherwise we're going to use topic to mean two things. Sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think it, it evolved and we talked a little bit last, uh, last, um, episode just about how we, we started doing that back when we were at Sprout. Um, so it's, you know, maybe seven, eight years it's been around. Um, but it has been interesting that it continues to be, um, in most cases an effective, technique and, and way to structure and build into content, but also um, I think has sort of evolved within the idea of a topic cluster or hub and spoke or whatever you um, kind of think of it there. It has definitely evolved over time. So, um, you know, I think like from here, let's just kind of jump into like why it matters. Like it's been around for a while, it's been a part of it and why it just continues to be an effective way to think about how you create new content as well as organize your existing content. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think you you kind of already mentioned about like the indexation, the technical aspects of why topic clusters are important. <clears throat> Just 
uh, from a technical SEO standpoint, right? Like there is a, a aspect of Google, Google's algorithm or any search engine algorithm now that takes into the semantic relation between pieces of content. Um, but like the, the ultimate like marketing and, 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 and user experience aspects of that are, I feel like not touched on as much. I mean, you can find it probably yeah. in a ton of different articles out there, but like, um, uh, Derek mentioned like just, uh, subject matter expertise and depth of, of expertise around a subject, like the immense value that brings to your audience, um, by or organizing content in a really structured way and like making sure that people can end up actually like clicking in deeper to like another related topic is so important in positioning yourself as a subject matter expert, your website as an expert, but then also like the giving your, your, um, your end user or audience or ICP, however you want to define it. Um, really, really, really good educational resources in a really structured way. Um, I think that that's probably one of the biggest benefits that like, I guess gets glossed over when we talk about it and why it's important from an SEO standpoint. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. It's, um, I feel like there's as sort of an end user, I think what the ideal state is if you've ever been researching something and I'm, you know, my personality type is I just very much am like someone who researches and consumes a lot of information. So it's, it's fitting for me. But like when you come across an article and then throughout that they're linking to more or the related content, or you can just tell that like, it's just, it feels like you've like unlocked this huge wealth of information and you go from one article to the next, to the next. And you're like, this is incredible. And yeah, it's that process sort of in real time of like, you're building that trust, you're building, um, or like seeing this publication as an authority. And so I totally agree. I think that's a huge benefit that isn't talked about as much as it's not as much of a technical SEO thing, but is a huge factor that when someone lands there and then feels like they've really unlocked uh, that huge wealth of information is, is a huge benefit. Yeah, I would add that like, I think when you can apply more of that to the user experience on a single page, it does create this level yep. of almost joyous overwhelm, uh, mm -hmm. if that's a phrase, <laughs> which is to say like, if I stumble upon a very rich resource where they have, it could be a table of contents or a sidebar, um, different than your yep. jump, jump links, right? But it's just like, lets you know that we have this, like a plethora of, rich information that you came looking for one thing, I'm more than likely going to bookmark that and I'm going to share and tell other people about that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I think that that's one of the more underutilized tactics too. the, like we were all big on the jump links for like the internal navigation of one individual piece of content. You're starting to see that more of like a, a side table of contents, but for the actual hub of content that you're actually connected to, which is like, I feel like incredibly effective from an internal linking standpoint because of the natural way that you can like have anchored text and all that. But then also just that user experience is so great. And I don't think a lot of businesses or websites are doing that as much as they should. There's some that we could probably call out. Um, but like, that's something that I want uh, to see more from content hubs and topic clusters that, that just like elevated internal linking structure but I love that floating table of contents for multi other pieces of content, not the one piece of content. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah, and I think it's, 
um, it's interesting because functionally, I feel like like old school blogs would use that space as like a, my most popular articles or recent posts or most popular posts or whatever. And then there's been like the evolution into plugin, like WordPress plugins or whatever tools that would sort of be like a related content engine. But that's typically driven on like tagging, something a little bit more generic. Um, and so there is sort of this like, you know, what is that trade off of time invested to like be manually building out some of those to make sure you're not just like letting something automatically generate related, but you're potentially curating that to make sure that it's best for the user and best for, for search engines. So with that, like, um, I think, so it's a great benefit, Kevin, Derek, I don't know if you want to add any others, but like, there's obviously still a lot of SEO benefits to, to clustering <laughs> and, and, and whatnot. So that's a great example of just the user experience. But, um, yeah, I think obviously as we work with clients, it's typically, uh, working well to build either brand new clusters from scratch or um, take some of the existing content they have and round them out and kind of build them together. So, um, search benefits, I, I think we, we definitely should spend a few minutes on and, and getting into that. So, uh, one of the obvious ones that we kind of mentioned, um, uh, and if their terminology isn't as familiar to you, definitely look it up, but like natural language processing and the semantic relationship of that. So very much, uh, ways that, that the search engines are, um, analyzing the content, but it is really uh, helping the search engines at a high level. And then we can kind of fill this in Derek and, and Kevin, but like at a high level, it's, it's helping them understand the relatedness of the content and overall, like you're like, please don't write a blog post that's 40,000 words long to fully cover everything, but ultimately a cluster is sort of like that. It is, is taking this whole collection of things and saying, we've covered in depth, all of the pieces of this, and they're all connected. They're all related. And collectively this theme, as Derek mentioned earlier, is all now complete across whatever it might be five posts or 10 or whatever. So, um, I think that's a huge benefit that it's not just a bunch of disparate pieces across your site and the search engine is trying to understand how they're related. It is you uh, intentionally writing and intentionally linking internally to communicate that this is one complete library on this larger theme. Yeah, I would, <laughs> this keeps popping into my head as we use phrases like natural language processing or semantic SEO, which is um, as someone who started practicing SEO, like post some of those major updates that really became the staples of not natural language processing and like how it all functions today. Mm -hmm. It always sounds a little convoluted, like semantic SEO in some ways. <laughs> it's just the way that us younger SEOs have always practiced yeah. <laughs> SEO. So you just, sort of, you just mean SEO, right? Um, but the more I like dig back and like talk with other SEOs on Twitter or whatever, I'm like, Oh, we've got like a new, a new shape, but essentially it just means, right. Like Google understands related things and it wants to place everything in relationship yeah. to those things. Okay. Um, which is why like from an SEO benefit side, 
to your point, you're going to see rankings increase as more related things are connected to each other. Um, those are kind of the authority signals, whether it's like helping to more clearly define an entity to explain how topics are related. I usually think about it less from the entity perspective and more from like what you were explaining before, which is you could have a book and your book is divided up into chapters. Um, yep. And so that's how everything is connected around this one big topic of the book. Um, but we need to get you through the entirety of that topic in order for you to feel like you're walking away with all the information you need. Yeah. Um, and that connectedness, again, it's like a, some people call it like a, a rising of all ships. So when Google finally clicks and you rank a piece of content, then all of a sudden, we're going to bring out a bunch of technical terms, but link equity <laughs> passes along those signals to those other related topics, and you start to see all of the rankings uh, improve across that entire mm -hmm. cluster. Yeah, I think it's um, in addition to that, uh, the link equity is an a really important aspect of it, but just like re reinforcing the fact that like a piece of content and typically it would be like the pillar piece of a, a topic cluster, but like the, the more well executed of a, um, of a content hub or topic cluster will end up ultimately generating some sort of organic backlink lift. Right. So like, that's a huge benefit to from from an seo standpoint that probably i mean like i think we we talk about passive backlink building for like really good content i think it applies to a content hub but like that will ultimately flow through a, a content hub especially because the parent piece will always usually be that one because it's really comprehensive there could be other pieces too that get them but that'll get the most visibility but i think like that feeds into the the link equity um, or page rank, which in my, admittedly in my refreshing myself on the topic of topic clusters, um, forgetting that, that that's actually still a part of this. It's just not public, right? You have no way of understanding the page rank, but page rank and more specifically gets passed through um, pages to help um, them rank better as well. So just reinforcing again, Derek's point just around how like visibility and rankings has such a uh, benefit from from a, a strategic a well executed and strategically built topic cluster yeah so for anyone whose head is maybe a tad bit swimming on this right now because <laughs> we've definitely uh been a little deeper in that um uh, i think it'd be helpful instead of like creating an analogy or speaking uh theoretically just talk through some of the, the examples that we've seen in the wild that we think are great that people could definitely go check out and, and kind of understand. Oh, okay. I see how they set it up. I see how they're the things are linked internally or there's table of contents or whatever it might be. So, uh, what are some of the examples and you guys have seen in the wild that you think are done really well? I actually think one of the better ones, and this is not necessarily related to blog content, um, although I do think mm -hmm. we see great versions of that, but um, I think like teamwork does a really nice job around its tools or its template section, which is right, it's 
it's taking all of your templates and housing them on one categorical page and then getting those individual template pages to rank. Um, and all of those templates are seemingly around project management in, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, or another one, uh, similarly, because it's not uh, necessarily like blog content, but there is content on their website about it, but this has helped, this strategy has helped them scale. Is like um, Zapier has, that's their entire scalable kind of model is building tight clusters of like zaps essentially around even like lar a larger pillar page that displays a, a lot of different types of um, uh, variations of, of connections you can make with their product, right? There's a pillar that yep. describes this one tool and then here's a bunch of little tools that you can connect to it and then those all branch out to individual specific pages and things that connect back to it. It's a similar, it's the same approach in execution, but it's, um, uh, of just much more scalable um, than that. Um, but teamwork is also a really good call out. Um, so I'll double down on that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think uh, very interesting examples and I love that we're uh, unintentionally ending up with a bit of an eclectic uh, assortment of, <laughs> of examples because it's good to show the different ways it can play out. But um, where my mind jumps is some examples like Help Scout and, yep. um, oh no, I just forgot the other one. <laughs> oh, um, Moz, uh, I think have mm -hmm. both uh, created particularly guides that have um, chapters or whatever you may call it that really yep. are multi-page, but like they're all connected very intentionally. Um, some that you can actually go just linear, like it very much feels chapter one, chapter two, but ultimately behind the scenes that is an overview and then each chapter or next page is a a section of that that's all related and all internally linked so um, I think those are some good examples uh, and certainly yeah the ones that you guys mentioned as well yeah Maz has that beginner's guide to SEO which is yes a classic example that we've all read but is very clearly a pillar that lays it right out into those clusters yep. um, exactly you had mentioned before that like sprout there was a time when you like went back and yeah. reorganized that and i wonder if you guys think that like pillars and clusters more frequently in the wild actually develop over time by people going back to visit that content um yeah. I, i'm just curious about your thoughts on that or the development of of pillars and content given that usually we're building these out over time, you don't have everything ready. Yeah, I'll let Kevin uh, add on, but yeah, just to clear, yeah, clarifying in the last episode, we did chat about how at Sprout, we had a you know, thousands of posts already and um, our team basically went and said, found collections of blog posts and guides and a number of resources we had and said, I think the example I used was enterprise. Like here's all the stuff we have on enterprise social media management. Here's, you know, things we have on social analytics or Instagram or whatever, um, and essentially built a template that had the nice overview, probably not as lengthy as like a pillar page, but it still was more hub and spoke, I think, um, and really kind of pulled it all together and uh, made that indexable and then over time just built more and more of those out. So I think it's a good point um, that 
it isn't a linear, like, okay, here's the cluster, we're gonna write it all, and then now we're gonna create this one. Uh, and especially if you're joining a company that just already has a lot of content in place that it's not necessarily um, starting from scratch. A lot of times you are piecing together things. So I think it's, um, I think it's probably natural that they build over time. Um, some things you come in intentionally, but yes, you have to spread out the different topics and themes that you're writing about. So it needs to be a little more natural uh, over time. But the other thing I would add is that I think under the surface of every post, which is focused on a topic, there are, we've talked about tens, hundreds, thousands of keywords. And the intent of those are constantly changing. The intent of the topic is changing. Therefore, your topic cluster may be changing. You may need to take some things out, add them. So it is all just a very dynamic, ongoing thing that I think causes it to ultimately be much more re uh, like retroactive and, and rear-facing. I don't know how I'm wording that, but uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> They're looking backward and, and reorganizing more than anything else. So, um, Kevin, I'll let you add on to that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think like it's it's similar there's a similar comparison i can make that goes back to your comment about like semantic seo being this thing that was talked about but now it's just seo to some i think like it's all about how businesses have grown and that you and nate called it out too about just like how much content develops over time i think businesses that have been around for a long time they naturally just started kind of just like we need to create content so they just started creating content that was relevant and before a specific point in time, those this thing didn't exist with cop, topic clusters, this concept. And so that got introduced and as a strategic um, way to organize things, people went back and started doing it. I think that still happens naturally because a company, depending on where they're at, may only have so many resources that they know they need to create content. They're still just gonna go create it. There isn't necessarily gonna be a roadmap for clusters. But there are, I think, more and more companies now that maybe are a bit more intentional because they, they know they hire someone or have someone, yeah. a content marketer, that now knows that that's just, that's the way you got to do it. So they're just like, what, pre-topic clusters? There was a time? <laughs> so like, that's kind of something that they just do. But yeah, I think like any of the big SaaS brands that have been around for a long time, I would suspect that you are seeing if there is an organized um uh, system of content hubs and clusters. I, I'm sure those have been retroactively organized and reshuffled and remixed and over and over again too, to Nate's point. Um, and that's just, I think the, the nature of the, this, this game we call SEO and, and its evolution and how uh, we understand and change things up from a strategy perspective. So, so yeah, I think it's, it, it as usual, it's kind of like, it's all it depends on the situation, but I think you're seeing more and more of it. And I suspect that over time, um, we'll see less of the, like, just let's go and create content and just naturally people just starting from that point of like, let's just map out what we want to talk about. But I, I think it'll still, it's it's going to be a while before we get there. And that's just like the natural full motion that everyone takes from the very beginning. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point that the last several years may have been little bit of a unique point in timing in, in that sort of just the timeline of, of the world of SEO, but um, agree it will, it will continue. Um, so I think uh, we need to definitely ju jump into how we're building topic clusters. 
um, and get a bit more specific. I think we're still talking about it fairly high level. So, um, you know, as you mentioned in the last episode, like Derek has been uh, a strategist uh, at 10 speed for um, the last year and is now our marketing manager, but has spent a lot of time building, researching, building content roadmaps for people. Uh, and Kevin and I have also done a decent amount of, of that work in our careers as well. So um, I think certainly um, a lot we could go into. We'll probably try to keep it pretty pretty focused, but um, you know, what what would either of you want to kind of jump in, like kind of high level, what are the steps that you take to to go from I have none to I've kind of figured out a plan for how to build this this topic cluster? Um, I can start. I think for me, it's usually a, a little more, it definitely starts in the topic phase, like we talked about in the last episode, where yeah. you start kind of brainstorming your roadmap. Um, cause you're thinking about yourself as an SEO, like you want to get every, all of these topics linked together. So, you know, you can get into like, okay, I've got these three pillars I want to cover over the next three months. And I'm going to include, you know, three to four clusters or maybe eight clusters under each of those pillars. So in some ways I have an idea of like how I'm going to start building out these cluster topics and how much content I need. Um, but again, I think it's, it's just a little more natural than that. It's sort of saying like, like I've got this topic and I want to cover the next natural questions related to that topic um, so that I can keep the conversation going. I, I think one thing that happens in marketing departments is like, we also don't know when we're gonna get derailed by like the next topic that happens that's maybe like time relevant or time sensitive and the industry starts responding. And so your company wants time to address those topics as well. And so at any given time, you may not be able to build out your pillar plus your, your clusters. But I think as long as your cluster content seemingly wraps up the conversation nicely and you can sort of lead people into your specific cluster topic and back to that pillar to make sure there's this like cycle going. So you're never like building an initial strategy that leaves the conversation hanging in a way that you may not finish. But again, I realized I just left that at a very high level again. So um, Kevin, maybe you want to like jump in or Nate with a more specific uh, example. Um, well, oh, man, let's see. Um, well, I, you know, I think like that's a great way to put it. I, I, I think that's like very prescriptive though, to some extent. So I wouldn't say it's too high level. Um, I think, you know, and I, excuse me if I'm still high level, but, uh, we, if I think like ultimately I, you starting at the, 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 like establishing what the pillars are, like your number of pillars is always going to be the way to start. And that maps it ultimately like every, and again, I'll keep a focus on SaaS. We work with mainly SaaS brands. Um, it's usually, you know, connected to the features of the product, right. Or what more the problems you're trying to solve for the, the business. So, um, or for a business or businesses and, um, establishing those and then just mapping out all the questions that you need to answer for that. I knew you, you kind of touched on that Derek around like breaking down, um, uh, 
a lot of the questions that would maybe need to be tied to a specific topic. But like, I mean, I think that that's exactly right. I mean, if you could give a specific example, which I think is always out there, it's like the breaking down how to make an apple pie. So this isn't a specific one, right? Where it's like, if your pillar is apple pie, how to make an apple pie, then like you have all these different pieces that would be, you know, how to make the crust, how to make the filling, um, what type of pan to get, like, et cetera, right? That's like, obviously not connected to the, the businesses that we talk about, but it's a really simple way of understanding how you could break down one thing into multiple elements into yep. more specific, longer elements. Um, I, I'm forgetting who originally used that that comparison. It's probably one of the bigger um, uh, marketing automation platforms. Um, wink, wink. Um, but uh, but that's like a really a literal way of understanding, I think, how you break them down. But I think it's really similar. You can apply that to everything you just said and kind of what I was getting at with like breaking down a, a feature or a problem that your your product is trying to solve and kind of go from there. Um, so I'll yeah, I think yeah. that, that makes sense. I'll let me just ask a couple of questions then um, that I think maybe might be a little easier. Rapid fire Q and A uh, <laughs> and 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 get some clarity because yeah, I, we could talk for hours on like how to actually go through all the steps, but like, um, I, I think just kind of thinking through questions that I get asked a lot, like how many pillars could you have? Uh, so like, yeah, I think in, in terms so to clarify and like, there is no clear answer. You're not going to be like five, but like, yeah. what are the ways that someone would know that if they should have three or if they should have 30, like where do they stop? What do they actually make a pillar? Like what are a couple of the things you look at to know this should definitely be a pillar? Yeah, I think that's it's like a familiarity question. Like as you grow sure. more familiar with that company, you're able to say like, here, here are the like three to seven topics that like we must be talking about. Like our target audience is in and around this everywhere we see them. And then you can prioritize those. Um, yeah. I think that's how you, you get to know. So I think at first it's sort of an idea or an experiential level of having worked with the company or you know been internal at the marketing and on the marketing side and like talk to customer success. I think you pretty clearly can define those quickly. Um, and then, yeah, other than that, you start to get into the existential of how many yeah. pillars you could possibly have. Yeah. On top of that though, I, I think that that's totally correct and a good way to framework it out. Like three to seven is accurate. And if you map it to like a product, like that's gonna map to features, kind of like what we were just, I was saying before. Yeah. A product, especially in the early stages, depending on what you're doing, like is going to come out of the gate and that's probably around what they're going to possibly have, right? So you can map it really clearly to those things. And those features are usually solving a problem. They're trying to solve a problem, right? The jobs to be done stuff that we've always talked about. Yeah. So like you're going to be in there to some extent and that's always going to be a great start starting point. And then you just expand, right? The pillars should just scale as the product and the business scales. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, related to that in a question that comes up a fair amount is like how you, know, what's a typical number of sort of posts that are, uh, tied to that pillar, you know, and like, is it like, okay, I have seven pillars and I'm just going to create, 
a hundred posts per pillar or do you start to think about it differently and try and keep them tightly clustered? So like I said before, I, I mean, I know the answer and I had sort of alluded to, I think at a high level, like this is that complete uh, collection of posts that, that kind of like answer this, this full topic. But um, I think it's, that's probably an area where I think a lot of folks get tripped up in when to stop adding pages to a pillar versus like splitting it off and, and making its own separate topic cluster. So I think that's another good area just to more tactically kind of talk through how you guys would approach it. Yeah, I think so when I start, uh, I just kind of set myself my own like recipe minimum, um, <laughs> which is like, I want to cover three of three yeah. clusters for any given pillar. So I think that's sort of my recipe way of doing it. If I know I'm in a highly competitive um, kind of niche or topic, that's when I might grab a hold of you know an Hrefs or a Screaming Frog um, in a way that I can look at our competitors who are going after those topics. And I mentioned this in the last episode, but you can start to get a visualization of, okay, well, you know, our competitors have 12 or 13 in their cluster, um, which then tells me like, okay, I'm going to aim for between. 10 and 15 because it's never like a perfect lineup it just gives you a gauge yep. to go off of yep yeah I, I yeah i think that <clears throat> that's a great starting point and similar to the 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 scale um as the business scales comment i think like competitive um intel is a great way to understand how you should scale them because we always say like it all depends right so like that's a great way to like in your own situation like understand exactly how you adjust that's a great uh, the, the recipe that derek just laid out is like it could be starting point for three i think that that's probably a great way to like establish it because you're not going to have you're probably not going to have less than that right like it's right. not gonna be a pillar with two clusters um if at, at that point it's probably just an individual piece of content or a bunch of them that you know <laughs> connect naturally but but yeah i think um that's a great way to to scale it and then the you know the always controversial answer is like from a like when like you know i think you said like do you know when it's how how many you should go to is, is like i think that to some extent sometimes they are almost limitless um it just depends on the topic and and all that i know that's a always a fun kind of cop-out answer but i think a thing can keep a theme or topic can continue to evolve yeah it's just about how you branch it out yeah yeah and i think that's that to me is like continues to be one of the biggest reasons why there is a need for SEO strategy. Like, sure, tool yep. like the you know you drop in a keyword into Ahrefs or anything, and it'll tell you the parent topic, and like mm -hmm. you could go to that parent topic and look at it, but like it is very rough. You know, like you would not want to just follow that blindly because it's also like interconnectedness. You could run into kind of conflicting or overlapping topic clusters, but it's that what you when kind of you both just touched on it, like you have to look at it critically. You have to look at it compared to competitors. You also have to look at it related to the business. Like it may tell you that these are related to that, but you're like, well, our product doesn't really actually do that part of it, or we don't want to focus on that, or we actually think that's dated or whatever it might be that you are having to like consider multiple perspectives as to whether or not something should be built into that. And then the other piece 
which we talked about uh, a little bit in the last episode as well, and like how you identify topics is sometimes the data comes in and you can just see in Search Console how uh, Google is sort of interpreting that and that you may split it out into its own post out of another one and connect it. Or in some cases, you may also identify, hey, we're actually seeing this across a number of posts and like this probably all needs to break out into its own topic cluster and whatnot. So I do think that there's there's definitely that there's no automated solution, no matter which, like there are tools that help uh, in kind of visualizing it, but it doesn't get away from just that like critical analysis, critical thinking, and like looking at how it relates to the business, the space, where you're trying to go, that all kind of adds up into how you would build that cluster. Yeah, I agree with yep. that. It's also why like, if you're on LinkedIn or you're somewhere and you're watching like an affiliate SEO marketer, I think that's what you like have to be careful because their game is completely different than a SaaS company's Definitely. strategy for SEO. So you'll see them with a more like run gun, fill out the entirety of that. Use AI to write a thousand pieces for 14 cents. Like that's a strategy because they're going to, they're looking for views and ad clicks and maybe a couple yep. aggressive emails, but uh, it's much different than being calculated in your content marketing. Yep. Totally agree. Um, well, let's make sure we get into internal linking and how that plays into it. Cause obviously you can't have a topic cluster if they're not connected by internal links. So, um, I guess at a very, very basic level, if someone's never built the topic cluster, uh, what we're ultimately trying to do is connect the pillar, the main piece to all of the supporting pieces and also all the supporting pieces back to that pillar. So there is a bi-directional connection to those. And in many cases, even connecting supporting pieces to other supporting pieces within that. So multiple connections to those pieces within each other. Um, we talked a little bit about how you could do that with like some sort of sidebar now, but let's just talk through uh, what are some of the different ways. Is it, you know, internal links directly in the text of the, the body content? Is it some sort of like special navigation? You know, what are the, the ways you're seeing that done best and, and what you kind of lean to when you're implementing as well? Go ahead. No, no. <laughs> um, I'll go, I'll go. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I think inline is always going to be the number one starting point, right? But I think um, to go off of like the table of content stuff that Derek alluded to and we mentioned earlier, just like the floating sidebar, I think some of those like old school elements that used to be, you know, driven by tags or categories or things can be really strategically optimized now where you don't have to just like go through the body copy and go like, what words do I need to use to link to this in a natural way? Right? Like, because I don't think you're ever going to really understand exactly like the right phrase, you know, it should be natural and you know, you don't want it to just be this like uninformative thing, right? There's a balance there, but those elements like the table of contents or like an after post related reading or however you want to do it, you can even do design CTAs, right? Um, that just naturally call out the content that is related to this content is going to be some of the most 
helpful ways of doing it. It's just about how you strategically place it. I think everyone knows though, again, in line you gotta do because that person's reading it. But then how do you yeah. extract that in interesting ways is, is it. So I'd say a couple of things, like after posts, like related reading, the sidebar, and I'll stop before I hopefully don't take up all of them. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I think you mentioned most of them. I, I would add that for the inline, like maybe this is a hot take, but I, I understand that like we, we place a hyperlink. Everyone understands what a hyperlink is, and we put words in there that describe where you're sending it, and that's how you start feeding that connection between the links. Um, I just don't think they're that user experience, like drivenly, like uh, useful when you yeah. think about like reading a paragraph and then like two or three words in that paragraph are highlighted and they're going to send you somewhere, which is why I think like inline CTAs with the exact title, you know, that mm -hmm. just like comes right after an immediate section is nice because it trips someone over, right? There's like the clustering for the sake of the SEO metrics, but then there's also like the point of any link, whether a backlink or an internal link is that someone clicks into that piece. Um, and I have to imagine, even though it's not clear that there's some benefit to that from an SEO side. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the user experience side of it is very important. And I think, you know, there's, I think now most people are smart enough and moving away from like, I have to try to use exact, exactly the phrase, exact match anchor text on the internal links and, and whatnot. And, um, but like longer, like a whole phrase that makes it more clear where something's mm -hmm. linking, if it's internal link, or like you said, the full title that, you know, really you just want them to know exactly what they're getting into because that mm -hmm. is ultimately bad experience if they navigate and then bounce back because they're like well that's annoying that it took me there or whatever so i do agree i think the inline stuff is important but doing it in a way that is very very much focused on the user experience i think it is a, a huge function there and like the we talked about the table again so i don't sort of at um at length, but like, that's a big way to have that full context. Cause you're not even just like seeing it in line. It's like, you see the full context of, oh, okay, well, there's this examples. This is common challenges. This is the benefit, whatever, like it may be. Um, you're, you're more easily be able to navigate to where you want to go based on what you're trying to, to figure out. I think that, uh, blogs also, uh, similar to probably the sprout social one, although admittedly I haven't been on that one too much. Yeah. Um, uh, HubSpot, which is on a subdomain, yeah. subdomain blogs tend to do a really nice job of creating these like levels of pillars to your point, like HubSpot has a whole marketing category. And so right. there are thousands of marketing things are being clustered like that. And then you'll get more into those practical pieces as they break them down, which I think is just a I know this is vague again, but I think it's all, there's also a healthy level of understanding internal linking, which is just like the practicality. And you mentioned this earlier, which is like, you're gonna be connecting all sorts of related things where you think it's valuable and intuitive for people to go, even if those pieces aren't technically within that pillar 
or a cluster might be a part of two or three pillars. Um, it's really just kind of like there's that level of thinking where you just like keep it related, keep it honest, and you're probably succeeding. Yep. 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 Yeah, I would, yeah, I would add just to be ultra, ultra clear, you do want internal links to be do follow. <laughs> um, you do not want them to link to something that 301s to the ultimate destination. So if things change, you need to update the internal links. We do not want that happening. Um, and you do not want to put UTM parameters on your internal links because that messes up a lot of stuff. So um, do not do that on, on the internal links. So I think that's a couple other factors to, to keep in mind at a very practical level. Um, and so we're uh, definitely getting long on time here. So I want to make sure we, we wrap it up. Anything else you feel like would just pain you if we didn't mention about topic clusters and internal linking before we close out? Um, I have well, two things. One, um, I think that the, the, clustered top, the cluster topics around given pillars, especially as you get more longer tail, um, which may be obvious, but um, is that they're not, they're not going to be necessarily data-driven topics. I think like that's the thing to understand, like instinctually you brought up the parent topic in Ahrefs or those tools that can tell you maybe directionally how to cluster content. I think those are great to give you directional ideas, but I think a lot of the times if you're trying to be really product focused and ICP focused, you're gonna have to trust your instincts a bit like I know these topics are related and helpful and cluster around a pillar topic more for my audience than necessarily what would naturally be like around the the uh, the pillar topic um, and then um, I do think and Derek called it out about like uh, the looking at client uh, or um, competitors uh, competitor structure and stuff is like there are tools out there we mentioned screaming frog and all that but those do help to visualize things if you already do have a ton of content out there and haven't clustered that'll really help give you a roadmap for how to do it or find topics and understand the structure and clustering yeah any examples of those tools oh did i not say one uh screaming frog obviously is one that's the one that uh, derek mentioned earlier and then the, the ones we use most frequently um and sight bulb those are the two big ones yeah i'd say uh, I think the only thing I wanted to add, which just clarifies, I think, even more Kevin's point, is if you want to see this play out, I think we're doing it on the 10 speed blog, which is our last two pieces of content, or, well, last two of three are, um, would be clusters, right? So the how to break down your blog posts into LinkedIn, how to break down your blog posts into Twitter posts or threads. Uh, would be examples of clusters, and then we will likely, meaning it's already on the roadmap for us, <laughs> build uh, an SEO-focused pillar topic around content repurposing. And as you can yeah. imagine, there are a million ways to repurpose content. So we could create clusters around you know, how to make your blog into a video, how to make your video into a blog, etc. cetera, uh, just to add clarity to what a pillar might be and what their clusters might be. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's, it's great. Um, so obviously in, in the last couple episodes, we've been able to get a little more tactical about, you know, starting from the beginning, identifying ICP, 
and understanding pain points and then looking at like how to identify the topics and understand search intent. Now we're looking at how to build the topic clusters and uh, into how the internal linking would work. And so now we just need some content. <laughs> and so that's what we'll be uh, jumping into in the next episode is how to create quality content. So you, you mentioned before AI writing and just churning out like low quality um, thin stuff. I mean, I'm not going to completely knock the AI writing. I think there are people working hard on that and, and making good progress. But um, especially within the SaaS world, the, so the caliber of, of content needed um, in, in and around the product and everything is, is quite high. So I'm uh, going to go pretty deep into how we think about that, how we you know create quality content for clients and what kind of goes into that. So that'll be the next episode. Definitely check that out. Uh, other than that, feel free to visit tenspeed.io slash podcast. You can hear all the past episodes uh, if you want to catch up. Uh, subscribe to receive new ones in your inbox when they come out. Other than that, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, please give us rating, leave reviews, uh, and subscribe to get them when they come out. So lots of ways to, to dig into past content as well as, as subscribe to new. So with that, we'll wrap it up, and uh, we'll be back for the next one on creating quality content. Thanks a lot for, for the great discussion today. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks.